Is your cup half empty or overflowing? Don't get stuck. What's preventing you from seeing your cup half full? It's time to focus on gratitude. That's today in our podcast. Hey out there, it's Karen G. from the communications team at Tower Hill. Welcome to our weekly podcast. We hope today's message gives you strength in a time of uncertainty, but most importantly, we hope the following message inspires you to take another big step in your faith journey. This week, we're continuing with our sermon series called The Power of a Grateful Heart. So let's kick it off to Pastor Jason Tucker right now. Well, good morning, everyone. It is so good to be here together this morning, ready to worship. I hope that you're ready. Thanks for joining us online for this worship service. And and I just pray that however you're watching, however you're participating this morning, that you will feel like you are in the presence of God, that you are with us spiritually as we worship God together. This has been such a crazy, crazy time as we're really getting into leaning into online and hybrid styles of worship and church Man, we're all just trying to figure out what's working. I hope this is working for you. Let us know. Send us an email or just type into this chat here that it's working. Or, you know, send us an email about some things that you'd love to see in our online worship. We're doing our best to try and make it as good an experience as we can. So welcome. And hey, if it is your first Sunday ever seeing anything from our church or joining us live, then a very special welcome to you. So glad you can make it. Let us know who you are. Feel free to reach out. And of course, check us out on our website, towerhillchurch.org, to see all the things going on in the life of the church. Well, we are now in our second week of this sermon series. So if you missed it, you can go back. You can find it uh, on our YouTube channel. You can find it in a lot of different ways to go back and hear the first installment of the series. But hopefully today will make perfect sense. And I'll do a little bit of a recap to bring you up to speed. But this series is called Thank You, The Power of a Grateful Heart. And the reason why we're talking about this and why every pastor talks about this around November is because... A spirit of gratitude or a heart of thanksgiving leads to a life of praise. It leads to a life of joy. And then if, I think for a lot of American Christians, we tend to have a gratitude problem. You know, we tend to look way more at the things that we don't have, especially when things aren't going as well as we hope, as opposed to the things that we do have. And what happens is we start getting into a habit of ingratitude And that gets in the way of what God wants to do in us and through us. And so we're going to talk over the next few weeks about gratitude, how to cultivate a grateful heart and why that matters for you. Because here's the thing, whether it's your kids or anybody else in society that you've seen that has a gratitude problem, see, here's the thing, a gratitude problem often leads to an entitlement problem. You feel like you're owed things. You're not grateful for what you have. You feel like, hey, I'm not getting what I deserve. And when that happens, it creates this huge barrier between you and God and you and other people. And it just kind of snowballs, right? You don't just usually just hop right out of ingratitude or entitlement back to gratitude without some intention. So hopefully we're going to help you do that over the next couple of weeks. So because, listen, I think for a lot of us, we look at what other people have 
or we look at things that aren't going so well in our lives and we look at what's going on in our world and with our election that we still don't know who the president is and right so all of these things are going on and the temptation is to feel like you know optimist pessimist my glass is half empty and here's the problem with that is this becomes a habit of feeling life like the glass is half empty and then what happens is it's hard to give thanks when your cup feels half empty it becomes a real barrier to living that life that God's created you to live or to just simply realize and notice all the blessings that you do have. You see, my posture as a Christian, we were saying this last week, should be that because I have Jesus, I have everything I need and more. My cup isn't half empty. It is constantly and eternally overflowing with the living water of Jesus Christ. In other words, no matter what's happening in my life, I can give thanks to the God who made me, that Jesus is enough, always has been, and always will be. But that's not what a lot of us, especially I think in Western culture, how we think about God, we think it's Jesus and, Jesus and this, Jesus and that are the things that I want. But when you get rid of all the and, is Jesus still enough for you? And if he's not, if you're honest with yourself, he's not, it may be a gratitude problem. So I often ask myself this, you know, when things are kind of going haywire in my life or, or maybe I'm just not feeling it in the way that I know that I should, I ask a question and that's, what's preventing me from seeing my cup as overflowing? And usually it's to do with my circumstance. It's usually to do with pain that I'm experiencing in my life. In fact, when my pain stacks up, my gratitude falls down. When my pain stacks up, my gratitude falls down. And it's kind of like the things in my life become kind of bricks in a wall of ingratitude. And each brick is fashioned over, it could be anything, but anything where I'm feeling dissatisfied or half empty. So these bricks can be, you know, like my physical well-being, and they could be my financial well-being. Um, you know, there could be a lot of other things. It could be to do with what's going on in our country or with our politics or, you know, pick a thing. I could take anything and turn it into a brick that just kind of stacks up. Like all my pain just starts to stack up. And then I start to look at that. I start looking at the wall I'm building instead of looking at the blessings of God. And if I do that for long enough, it becomes almost impossible for me to see the blessings of God because I just create this wall of ingratitude based on my circumstances. And then, you know, I have the blessings of God over here, but I just simply can't see them because all I'm staring at is this wall that I've just built and that I keep adding to. It only gets higher and higher and so that I just make it harder and harder for me to experience the gratitude that God wants me to have. Not, not because God is so needy that he needs us to be thankful, no. He wants us to be the flourishing people he created us to be. And living a life of gratitude leads to a lot of other things. It leads to humility. It leads to faithfulness. It leads to love and compassion and, and loving one another the way that God called us to do it. The Christian life is really a life that's built on gratitude. And so when that's missing, it gets really hard to live the Christian life well. In fact, oftentimes we end up going off the rails. You know, pick a thing. Well, I don't like how this is going in my life, and, you know, so I'm going to make a change, and sometimes that's not always what God wants. 
but it's because we're such an emotional wreck from just staring at our ingratitude wall, right? And then what happens is then I'm back to half empty again. So, so it's this cycle that just kind of keeps going and keeps going. And then there's something else that happens. I start responding to people or to circumstances with kind of like an ugly emotional reaction that says more about me than it does about them. Here's what I mean. Uh, let's say I'm, I'm having financial struggles or I'm really, that's one of the bricks in this wall. Reminds me of a song. <laughs> one of these bricks in this wall that's kind of getting in my way of feeling grateful. And then I turn on HGTV, right? And I'm looking at, you know, like the, the millionaire house hunters or whatever it is. And, every, you know, they're going through these homes that are like, oh, what's your budget? Uh, anything under 18 million. I, other than that, I don't think we could afford it, right? And then they, they kind of go through and they're like, you know, the seventh bedroom was just too small. And you know, they're, it's like the Taj Mahal. And they're going through like, oh, this is going to need a lot of work. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's not move-in ready, right? Okay, exaggerate a little bit. But what happens is when you watch those shows, you, I find myself getting really frustrated with the kind of complaints. So I'm like, those aren't complaints. You don't have real problems. Oh my gosh, you don't like the wallpaper? Give me a break. You can take that stuff off. You don't like the paint color? Come on, you're killing me here. And you know what that does? Is that my reaction to that show says way more about me than it does about them. Ingratitude does that. Well, I don't feel like I am grateful for what I have, then I simply become jealous of what other people have. And, and then that kind of makes things 10 times worse for me. So I end up reinforcing the wall with my jealousy of those who, quote unquote, have it better. Of course, we never really know what's going on in somebody's life, but, but we look around, we're just like, oh man, they, they have it better. And you see, you see how that works. And then it kind of like one feeds off the other. Your ingratitude feeds off of your sort of jealous reaction. And I don't think we think of these things consciously. They just kind of come out sideways, like when we're watching HGTV or something. I mean, there's a reason, though. This is part of our human sin nature. It's such a part of our human sin nature is that think about all the movies you've seen where the villain is the rich guy. You know, I was thinking about Titanic. That movie, like the villain's the rich guy, right? And you're really rooting for the poor kid. Because, you know what, he didn't have everything handed to him. He doesn't have all these opportunities in front of him. He's got to grab on to his Titanic and go on with his life, right? And I don't know, you know. So the second the rich guy comes on the screen, you're like, everybody's like, boo. You know, like, nobody likes him. When, I don't know, like, he loses his fiance, he loses all of his stuff. In the, anyway, I'm not making a case for uh, that being the new hero of Titanic. But what I'm saying is... The audience's reaction to the villain is much more about the audience than it is about the character on the screen. Well, this was true in Jesus' day as well. Jesus knew this about human nature, and he leveraged it to show us the truth. He tried to use it to show how off it is, how ridiculous it can be, so that he could get to the truth that God wants us to know to lay all those things aside so that we can know this is the way of Jesus Christ, which isn't the way that the world says to live, right? It's countercultural. It's different. It's about love first, love above all other things, sacrificial love for the sake of his kingdom. And uh, that's just not 
how we usually respond to things in our lives, especially with people who we think have it better. So Jesus knows this, and he starts to, um, there's this ministry moment that happens, and the way that it's written in Scripture, you can tell there's some stuff in there that's speaking to how the people around Jesus may have been reacting, or the readers of the gospel may be expected to react when they hear what Jesus did. You'll see what I mean as we go. This is uh, from the Gospel of Luke. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Boo! Right? <laughs> Anybody who hears those lines would just instantly be like, boo. And you've probably heard, maybe you heard the story of Zacchaeus before. And, uh, but man, yeah, chief tax collector, he was wealthy. And so immediately when he comes on screen, we're meant to be like, I don't like this guy. I don't like this guy. Now, they had some good reasons behind it, some cultural reasons. So tax collectors were often referred to as sinners uh, because it was believed that their particular sin was especially hard to overcome. Why? Because in this Jewish community, for example, uh, the tax collectors may not have been Roman tax collectors. They have Jewish tax collectors that were empowered by the Roman authorities to collect taxes on their behalf. So it's like Jewish person against Jewish person ripping them off. And they thought that was like the worst kind of sin, that you would do that to your own people because tax collectors totally rip people off. It was bad. So there were taxes for everything back then for, under the Roman Empire. And so they had their usual taxes, but then there were sort of like these discretionary taxes whenever you're trying to move, move something from one place to another, and these tax collectors would just charge whatever the heck they wanted because they could. And so the tax collectors were really like the lowest of the low. They were like the scumbags. They're like, tax collectors, they're the worst, right? Everybody with me? Tax collectors, they're the worst, right? That's how they would have been seen and viewed and thought of in Jesus' day. So the second the tax collector enters the scene, everybody sort of lets out, I'm sure, a collective boo. Next verse. He wanted to see who Jesus was. This was Zacchaeus. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. They even throw in like a height joke, right? (laughs) Because he was short. I mean, not really because he was actually short. But the point is, like, I'm sure people, when they were hearing the story of Zacchaeus at first, are just like, and he was short. He was sort of the punchline. Now, Jesus knew this. He knew all of this. And there's this crazy opportunity that comes about as a result. Next verse. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him. That's Jesus. Since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything... I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost.
Now, this is a really powerful story of transformation. Zacchaeus is so transformed by the presence of Jesus Christ, it leads him to action. Remember last week we were talking about a grateful to heart God is triggered into action. God, what can I do to make things right? How can I move your mission forward? And for Zacchaeus, that meant I'm going to repay everybody who I've wronged. And and even if I need to pay four times the amount, I want to make it right. Because God, you made it right with me. And Jesus' salvation has come to this house. It's this beautiful story of redemption, reconciliation to God, and transformation. I wish we could get more of Zacchaeus' story after the fact. But we do know this. He had a come-to-Jesus moment. He had a moment where his life was changed by the power of Jesus Christ. And it immediately showed in his behavior. And I love it because I think for all of us, it's a reminder. No matter how far away from God you've been, gratitude can transform your life. No matter how far away, no matter how despised, gratitude can transform your life. As we said last week, Jesus was making a distinction between being cleansed and being made well. He often talked about faith making you well. Why? Because it recalibrates your heart to God. And you can live the way that God intended you to live, which is going to do what? Increase your joy. Increase your flourishing. I've never felt as good in my life as when I felt close to God. And I hope you've experienced that too. And if you haven't, I want to encourage you. You can. And it could change everything for you. So what do we say about Zacchaeus? His faith made him well. It made him well. And it can for you too. But there's another piece of this story, I think. Is that you kind of wonder how many people were around the situation or read about it in the Gospels later and said, you know what? That guy's the villain. He doesn't deserve the grace of God. He did everything wrong. He's not a good guy. He's a bad guy. We boo those guys. He didn't even deserve another chance. And while we might not come out and say that about Zacchaeus, I wonder if there's other people who have said that they've had a life-transforming relationship with God that we just mock. Be like, oh yeah, right. Yeah, we'll see. Or, you know what, they don't even deserve it. They did so many bad things, or they did so many sinful things, they don't even deserve it. Now, I'm going to tell you this. If you're angry about Zacchaeus' salvation, it says more about your heart than his. And I would say this is true with people in your life. I've heard from people, church people, who'd say things like, you know, I've been coming to church my whole life, and I've been living by God's way, and this person over here, they were out of control, they were doing whatever they wanted, and then they get a chance to get God's grace, it's not fair. Reminds me of another story in Scripture. The parable of the good father, right? And the prodigal son. The older brother, he did everything right. And he couldn't stomach the fact that his younger brother, who did everything wrong, could get a chance to come back home. But this is what God's heart is. This is This is what drives God. 
And I know that because of everything that we see in Scripture and everything that we see in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Everything that drives God is this. He's going to try to save the lost. That's what he cares about. That's what he cares about most. And if you don't care about that the most, you don't really know God. Or maybe your wall of ingratitude has blocked you from seeing things as they really are. Maybe it's a byproduct of your walls. I think the most important thing that we can do is to recognize, first and foremost, that our walls are spiritual, right? No matter what bricks we say created these walls, our walls are really spiritual. It's about us not being in tune with the Spirit. It's about us feeling like we have been wronged somehow in our lives because God hasn't answered us or provided for us in the way that that we expect. Again, entitlement versus gratitude. So then the question is, well, what do we do about it? I mean, here's, this is the beautiful news, is that Jesus is the wrecking ball. (laughs) Like, Jesus will knock down that wall if you let him. And so there may be walls, and actually, this is probably true, and it's probably true for me, and I have to ask myself all the time, there are probably walls that you don't even know you built, but it comes out when the character comes on the screen, so to speak. It comes out in different situations in your life or how you view different people. It says more about you and your heart. You see, people with a grateful to God heart rejoice when people succeed. Rejoice with redemption. Rejoice when lost things and lost people are found. That's what a grateful, grateful to God heart looks like. And I think this is just in line with Scripture. Do you remember how this Scripture started? Do you remember in verse 1? Where was Jesus? Jesus entered Jericho. Remember what happened in Jericho? God miraculously brought the walls down. And I think he wants to do the same thing for our hearts today. He wants to knock down those walls of ingratitude. Not because he wants to punish you, he wants to free you. He wants you to be able to see all the blessings that he has given you. All the things that have gone right. The fact that you are alive, that you have faith, that he has saved you from sin and death. That you can talk to God as your own father, your own heavenly father. That you can live a life in honor of that sacrifice. You can live with joy no matter what your circumstance. It can change you and everybody around you at any moment. And God, if you ask him, will knock those walls down. Say, God, help me. Help me to see things as they really. Help me to see things as you see them. Help me to live with a grateful heart. And what happens when the walls come down Gratitude goes up. And then something really incredible happens. And this is something that you just have to experience. It's hard for me to explain it, how this feels. But something happens in you when those walls come down and you feel like a freedom like you can't even imagine. It's like you could finally see that thing that your wall has been covering up. You can see the truth of God's grace. And as scripture tells us, it's the truth that sets us free. 
You will live into a new level of freedom in your life unlike any other. You see, we become slaves to our own sin. We have become prisoners of the walls we put around us, but Jesus is waiting to knock those down. You aren't meant to live in captivity. You're meant to live in freedom. And maybe all of this begins simply by looking at God, praying to God, and saying two words. Thank you. Amen.